We talk about going to the house of God, what does that mean? And also to ask very simply, what do you expect when you come to church? Because there are different attitudes that people have. People think it's a time they'll come and it'll make them feel good, it'll make them feel better. Um, maybe if they're free church, it's a time they think they'll come and it'll make them feel worse. But nothing like a good bit of self-flagellation just to keep you, you, keep you going. Um, others think it's like a lecture. And I actually think that attitude has become much more prevalent in evangelical circles. So that you come to church, so you, you get teaching, and then you go away and you worship and, and so on. Now we are to live our life out in the community, but for me the most precious thing about gathering together with the Lord's people on Sunday is we come into the presence of God. And I know people say, well, God's everywhere. That's true. And I know that they say that, well, God's in my house and I worship God everywhere and any time. But there is something about being together with the presence, with the people of God, that uh, should be incredibly refreshing and renewing. Uh, I just, I'll just simply say this, that I find myself many, many times during the week utterly exhausted. And I find on Sundays that I'm totally refreshed. Um, I have come in here on a Sunday uh, evening and couldn't be bothered, to be honest, just really tired. And hearing God's word from Sinclair or from others, praising, being with God's people has been a very, very refreshing experience because you're in the presence of God. So I'm just going to briefly look at this psalm. It's a psalm I love uh, for Many years I've known it in the 1650 version uh, to a tune called Tramps and Hawkers, which I'm not going to sing to you. Um, uh, it's a well-known folk tune, and maybe one day I can persuade the band to do it. It worked really well with all the, all the instruments. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, to me, the tabernacles of thy grace. How pleasant, Lord, they be. And I, I've sung that song for... 35 years and I've always always loved it so it's a real joy even just to be able uh, to share that with you this is one of the great pilgrim psalms it's of the sons of Korah as uh, and it's this the, what you need to know is it's this song of the, the Jews going up to worship God in the temple in Jerusalem. It's very close in some ways to the longing expressed in Psalm 42 and 43. I'm just gonna, we'll read verses 1 to 4. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My flesh and my heart cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where, where she may have her young a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. We're going to look at three blessings. And the first is, blessed are those who dwell in the house of God. The Lord does not live. Acts seven forty-eight. Stephen told the Jewish leaders, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. When we talk about coming to God's house, we are not talking about coming to this particular building. Although I think you ought to be a little bit careful here as well, because God can bless buildings. 
there can be a sense. I've, I've always felt in this particular building, maybe it's because of the history, maybe it's different things, but there's just something wonderful to come in here during the week and just sit in here and pray. I find it easier to pray in here than in many other places. God can bless buildings, but this is not God's house. This is not where God dwells. God dwells amongst his people. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? We are a little bit obsessed sometimes, or some of us are, with individuals being filled with the spirit. But it's the collective here that's important. It's together we're filled with the spirit of God. And three things just to note about this blessing of being in the house of God. First, there's a longing. There's a longing. Look, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. I long to be where God's people are. I long to be in the presence of God. And it's not just because it's beautiful, how lovely is her dwelling place, but the, the idea there is carried off beloved. It, it's just something I love. I just love being there. And it's crying out not for a place so much as crying out for God. I long to know God. I'm thirsty and I'm hungry for God. We know someone's sick. We know a child is sick when they have no appetite. But how many of us have no real spiritual appetite? We drag ourselves to things. We just don't have that longing for God. We have a longing for ourselves. We have a longing for different things. But we don't have that longing for God. We're like the Laodiceans who were not hostile towards God. They didn't hate God. But they were not longing for for Jesus. They were just lukewarm. And I think the church is overcome with lukewarmness. I really do. I fear it in myself more than anything else. I fear weariness of soul and spirit probably more than anything else. It's why Psalm 27 is so important. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. I think if we see Jesus in his beauty, we long for him. We want to know him. There's a longing for God. And I just ask each of us, I ask myself, and I, and I ask you, I, where's that longing? Where's that desire for Christ and for God? There's also a security. Even the sparrows found a home and the swallow a nest for herself. The birds that nest in the temple are secure and they nest near the altar. And the altar is the key to our security. Maybe there's a notion of rest. There's a possibility that the idea is that the psalmist is speaking of himself. That he's like a bird who's been flying around and then he's able to come and nest and find rest in God's home. Our world is an incredibly insecure place. It's filled with insecure people. And there are so many situations that we think, well, they're quite secure, but they're not really. I think of the poor people in Indonesia with the earthquake that's recently occurred. But there are different kinds of earthquake. We think our relationships are secure. 
We think our jobs are secure. We think our politics are secure. Our country is secure. And it's not. It's just not. The absolute security that we have, the only security that we have, is with God. And there's a sense in which it should be. I know I like the idea of church at times being uncomfortable and it's challenging us. But church should also be our comfort zone. Not because we're hiding away from reality, but because as we are together with God's people, as we are worshipping God, as we are in the presence of the Lord, as we sit at his table, there is a real security. I like travel. I like traveling around. And when I was younger, I used to hitchhike a fair bit. But I'll tell you this, if I didn't have a home to go to, I don't think I would have enjoyed hitchhiking so much. It's very easy to hitchhike around Europe with virtually nothing, knowing that your mum's bought you a return ticket to go home when you finally run out of money and food and and, and you give up. There's a sense in which we will go through this week battered, bruised in so many different ways. And when we come to worship, we're home. We're at home. There's a security. And that's why there's praise. I, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Calvin says this, the psalmist expresses more distinctly the proper use of the sanctuary. He distinguishes himself from hypocrites who are attentive to the observance of outward ceremonies, but destitute of genuine heart godliness. David, on the contrary, testifies that the true worshippers of God offer to him the sacrifice of praise, which can never be dissociated from faith. We praise God, not because we like the tunes. We praise God, not because, you know, it's a time for us to feel good. We praise God because he is worthy of praise. And when we're hearing his word, we are reminded how worthy he is of praise. The longing and the security and the praise are part of being in the presence of God. We're blessed if we dwell in his house. Verses 5 to 8. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. This is different. The, the first stanza of this psalm is really about going to the temple, being in the presence of God. This is about the journey. This is about the pilgrimage. And you could understand it as a, the pilgrimage that we're on to heaven, as in pilgrim's progress to the celestial city. But I think it's also this pilgrimage that we have in life as we are constantly tempted to turn away from the worship of God. I like what Michael Wilcock says. He says, the pilgrimage need mean nothing more exotic than regular church going, a determination not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, seduced by the modern cult of individualism, leisure, mobility, and lack of commitment. 
I think the number one complaint I hear from my fellow church leaders is this. We just can't get people to be committed. And if we ask them to be committed, we're nagging. And everyone's so busy anyway, and everyone's got so much to do. And, and people are so individualistic. And you get people who l- want community. We want community. And all the good things they see in the Bible. And then they complain that the church isn't that. But they themselves don't live like that. We had the creation fest this uh, weekend, and what the folks did was wonderful, and what went on in the city centre, I think, was wonderful. But it was a pale, pale shadow of the church in this city, really. I think most of us as churches, we're struggling, and we're struggling not, I don't think because of numbers, and I don't think primarily because of finance. I think we're struggling because we've lost this sense of the worship of God and the community of God and we have been seduced by individualism and leisure and mobility and lack of commitment it costs to come here and worship God and there are many 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 distractions that keep us away it costs to read and to pray Because you have to give up something else to be able to do it. It costs to be part of the Lord's church. And so many of us struggle and we complain that we don't experience the presence of God. Because we ourselves have kind of wandered off this pilgrimage. Mentions a couple of things. Strength. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. The strength that we have comes from God. It's not our own strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You might say I'm a strong person. No, you're not. You are incredibly weak. You might say I'm a weak person. No, you're not. If you are in Christ, there is an incredible strength. There's a... uh, uh, a commitment there and a, and a dedication. You see that whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. It's like Jesus, Luke nine fifty one. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. There's a determination to go. I, I have to say that, and I'm glad my mother's not on the internet. I will mention my mother here. Um, I, just, I just remember her as a child. Uh, well, not her as a child, but me as a child. Um, and not just as a child. I remember her 17, at 70 years old, just uh, going for a hill walk. And at 70 years old, I thought, oh, that's no problem. Uh, I'll, I can, I'll keep up with her this time. No way. She was so determined. And it didn't matter. Chucking it down rain. She'd made up her mind. This is where she was going. And this is what she was going to do. And that was it. And I think I'm amazed at how many Christians say, right, we're going to head off this, we're going to do this, and we're just so easily put off. There's a real commitment in whose heart are your ways. There's a route to God, and, and we need to be determined. There's a, a lady, uh, well, her husband was known as Principal Cameron in the Free Church College, 
And I remember her speaking at a, a youth fellowship not long before she died, telling us how she was converted. And really, she's a quite remarkable lady. She's a very powerful lady. And um, uh, she was telling us that Billy Graham was coming to Kelvin Hall in Glasgow, and he was going to come for six weeks. And she was so determined. She says, I'm, I'm going to become a Christian, and that man's going to convert me. And she told us how she went down to the station to meet him when he came off the train. And she went every single night for six weeks until she did become a Christian. I was just, she was just absolutely, there was no way. I am, this is what I am going to do. You know the old chorus? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The Calvinist version, I've been elected to follow Jesus. But it's the same thing. No turning back, no turning back. Not turning back. I'm going to do this. There's a commitment And there's faith. The Valley of Baker was an arid place. It was a dry place. And when you're walking through it, it's a dry and weary land. But he says, it becomes a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. Why? Because they're walking through the desert and they have faith in God. They pray. Again, that's why prayer is, is so refreshing in so many ways. Come down on a Saturday morning to pray with a handful of people who do. Go to the prayer meeting on a a Sunday morning, which now meets through in the hall. We need to find more opportunities to pray together because prayer is the most refreshing thing that you will do this whole week. So, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those who journey with God You'll be blessed if you walk with God this coming week. And then just these last few verses. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. We're blessed. We long for God. We're blessed if we're in his house. We're blessed if we journey with God. And we're blessed if we trust him. He's the doorkeeper. I used to think the doorkeeper, that was like kind of the worst job. Or it, it, it meant humility, the lowest of the low. But actually the doorkeeper in the temple was quite an honored position. And it may be here that what's really being referred to is a temple that's so full that it's kind of like I'd rather be standing at the door than elsewhere with the wicked. I just want to be with your people. I want to be with you. Perhaps though it does carry the idea of lowly service I think it's a complete paradox of an inversion of the Christian gospel that somehow we have leadership positions in the church where people are greatly honored and you want to get promoted. You know, if um, in, a, in one system you could be a deacon, then a priest, and then an archpriest, there's all different kinds of things, and then you get a bishop, and then you get an archbishop, and I guess then you can go to Pope. You know, and you, you, you just go, 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 go. And that's, when I see things like K 
kissing the bishop's ring. There's just something profoundly wrong with that. But in, in Protestant circles, you can get that in different ways as well. Um, you can get that in independent churches and in charismatic churches uh, where the leadership is placed in a position of great honor. You can get it in Presbyterian churches in the same way that people have this idea that, you know, I want to be a leader, I want to be seen like this. To desire the office of an elder is a good thing, says Paul. But you need to know that we want to be elders, we're going to be judged more severely. And I think just not wanting distinction, not wanting praise, but just wanting to come and to be able to serve in God's church. Pray for the king, he says. Look on our shield. Look with favor on your anointed one. That is talking about praying for the king, but ultimately, of course, as Craig uh, was showing us this morning, that the king is Jesus. He is the one who brings security. He is the one who we go to. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. We have a great high priest, says Hebrews, who has ascended into heaven. Jesus is the son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's this idea of being in the temple under the protection of the king and he being our sun and our shield. What does the sun do? The sun brings life. The sun brings light. We want to be in the sun. What does the shield do? The shield protects us. Sometimes you might feel, and I am equating a lot of this with just coming and being with God's people. Sometimes you might feel, you know this, I can't be bothered. Or you might be so discouraged, you might be so depressed. Or you might be so fearful. Or you might be so full of doubts. Or you might be so conscious of your own sin that you think, I can't come to church. I can't worship. Do you know the time that you most need to be with God's people is when you are discouraged, when you are depressed, when you are so aware of your own sin. Because it's when you come into the courts of the Lord and see the beauty of the Lord and hear about the forgiveness that God offers You experience him as a sun and a shield. One, there's a a hymn, I I think it's a man called uh, Light, Henry Light, who makes a hymn out of this psalm. And he, he talks about the sun and the shield to guide and guard my erring heart. If you as a Christian detach yourself from the worship of God, if you don't keep the Lord's day, if you don't read his word, if you don't have fellowship together, then what will happen is you are removing the guard on your heart and you're ignoring the guide. 
The Lord gives all good things. Look at what it, no good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. The blameless life for us is the life of Christ. But it's also tied in, I think, with this, with this desire and this willingness and this commitment to follow God. I don't come to the Lord's table saying, I'm completely sinless or I'm completely blameless in that sense. But I do come to the Lord's table saying, in Christ, all my sin is taken away. My hope and prayer always is that when people come to hear God's word, that they are convicted and that we are made aware of sin, but that we never go away in despair, but we go away knowing that Christ has forgiven us. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Where is the Lord God? The Lord God, Jesus Christ, is where two or three are gathered in his name. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot experience the presence of God and the blessing of God when you're on your own. I'm not saying you cannot experience it with a group of friends. But I am saying this, and I think Scripture is saying this. There is just something about the people of God gathered for their highest purpose to worship that God, which brings us into the presence of God. And I think also at the communion table. But I'll say something about that in a moment. Let's sing the remainder of uh, these verses before we take the communion. Um, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty, and receive the plea I make. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Hear me for your mercy's sake. The tune is Ottawa, and we'll stand to sing. Call them and lead us.